Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Canem Rinse podcast. This is issue 353 from volume 8, and we are going to be covering Gravity Rush 2. You can play along with Canem Rinse. Our uh, schedule can be found in full at canemrinse.com. But the next five episodes that we're going to be covering, if you want to get a jump start on those, are Hitman, tw- the 2016 version, the Street Fighter 4 series, Near Automata, Final Fantasy VIII, continuing our Final Fantasy series, and Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Remember, you can, if you like, subscribe to our Patreon, throw us a dollar a month, which equals out to 70 or 80 pence, I uh, I couldn't find an exact figure, and about 0.8 of a euro, so, you know, just a little bit of money that you can throw our way, or more, if you like, of course, always gratefully accepted, and that gets you our show one week earlier than those who do not subscribe. You can also pick up some uh, longer cuts of some of the episodes if you are a subscriber to the Kane Rinse Patreon. Uh, again, that's patreon.com slash Canem Rinse if you would like. We also take PayPal as a uh, sort of virtual tip jar. You can find those links on the site as well if you would prefer to kind of do a one-off donation. We love any and everything that you can bring our way. Remember, we also do have additional shows. If you uh, like what you hear here, you can get more of that in our Sound of Play podcast, which is focused on video game soundtracks and music. And our newest member of the Kane and Rinse family, uh, that is the Sausage Factory, which is a uh, a little bit of a uh, more interview-centric podcast where we uh, talk to developers and kind of see, as the title implies, how the video game Sausage is made. So all three of those you can subscribe, review, and rate. We love it when you do those things. And as of a, uh, a very recent update here, uh, we are now also available on Spotify. So uh, go ahead and check us out there if you like as well. You can follow Kane and Rinse on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, you know, like, say nice things about us, share our stuff, uh, everything, uh, all good things. So joining me, Leah Haydu, in issue 353 are James Carter. Hello. Hi, Charlotte Cuts. Hello. And in, I believe, your only podcast appearance scheduled this year, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, we have Jay Taylor. Oh, you are mistaken. I'm on two podcasts this year. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. All right. Well, I, I apologize. I missed it. But um, I, a rare podcast appearance. Let's just say it that way. We are... Right. Uh, okay. Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, Gravity Rush 2. We're going to go ahead up front and give you the uh, the big old spoiler warning. Uh, we are going to be talking about the plot of Gravity Rush 2. We also did cover Gravity Rush the first in uh, Kingdom Rinse issue 153. So, hey, wow. I didn't even realize that is, uh, that is 200 episodes ago. That's a lot of episodes. But uh, so if you want to go ahead and uh, pull that up as well, uh, if you did play the first game, we are almost by necessity going to talk a little bit about the plot of the first game. We're not going to center on it, but it's probably going to come up because they are pretty connected. Uh, But if you haven't played Gravity Rush 1 or 2 and you are interested in the plot specifically, you might want to go play those before you, uh, you go much further. The game was developed by Sony Interactive Entertainment Japan Studio, and uh, the subset in there is Team Gravity, also known as Project Siren, who is additionally known, again, it's in the name, uh, as the developers of the Siren survival horror series. Uh, The publisher is Sony Interactive Entertainment, and it was directed by Keichiro Toyama, produced by Mikado Isomine, 
programmed by Atusishi Nakamura and Toshitake Tsuchikura. The artists, a uh, pretty big uh, thing when you're looking at a game like this that has such a distinct art style we're going to be talking about, uh, Shunsuke Saito and Takeshi Oga, written, by, again, by Keichiro Toyama and Naoko Sato, and the composer was Kohei Tanaka. Now, I we're going to talk more in-depth about the music, but uh, I don't often look up the um, kind of the cast and the uh, the uh, creators of games as I'm playing them, but I had such a weird kind of association with the music. It sounded a lot like Kingdom Hearts music to me, so I had to look up the composer ahead of time and uh, not a Kingdom Hearts composer, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, here shortly. So the game was announced in September 2013 at the Tokyo Game Show, and it was originally scheduled to release in 2016. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of a long development cycle, but not uh, not huge. But it was delayed into 2017 uh, because they were concerned about how it would compete in the AAA holiday space. So they, uh, they pushed that in. And then to make up for the delay, uh, Sony announced that they would offer the Raven's Choice DLC for free. So now if you pick up the game, you'll receive the uh, the Raven's Choice DLC. Uh, it's just a separate item on the main menu. At the time, it was about two months after the game. Uh, it was March of that year that the DLC was released for free. Uh, not completely integral to the plot, but does tie in. Uh, so the release dates, this game is a PS4 exclusive. The first game was originally a Vita exclusive and then later had a um, a remaster that came out on the PS4. But the uh, the second game is and remains a PS4 exclusive at, at for now. Uh, it was released between January 18th and 20th, depending on where you were. So it wasn't quite a worldwide release, uh, but it was pretty close. Uh, and that's January 18th to 20th of 2017. So about two years ago now. And then the free DLC, as we mentioned before, did come out in March, uh, on March 23rd of 2017. That one was worldwide. So um, I want to talk a little bit about our histories. I believe that um, although we all may have played a bit of the game before uh, diving in full force for the show and for the recording, uh, I don't believe that any of us had completed it before completing it for this recording. So uh, we would like to go over our histories a little bit. Um, I suspect that they're going to be fairly similar as uh, as we all did play the game primarily for the show. Uh, so let's go ahead and start. James, how about you? Uh, did you play any of this before we were playing for the recording or was this your first time diving in? Uh, so it, I checked back my uh, PlayStation trophies, actually, as, as always, a great way to tell when it was <laughs> you started playing a game. Um, and I first picked this up in August 2017. Um, I was on the previous Gravity Rush recording. I'd played that game relatively close to release, I seem to remember. Um, and this one, I obviously didn't get quite at release, but it was sort of, I guess, seven months afterwards. Um, and I played... It was the first three episodes, so like an hour, hour and a half, something like that, probably, and just kind of fell off it. Something else gathered my attention. I would, it was a tutorial for a game that I kind of already knew the mechanics for, so I think that was part of the problem. So yeah, I did fall off it um, and didn't pick it up again until uh, just this month, yeah, earlier this month to play through for the for the recording. 
Uh, three episodes is not not too big of a chunk, as we'll talk about. No, I think there's no, what twenty seven. Yeah. I think is the the final yeah. number. Yeah, uh, so yeah, was... just uh, just a little bit of a start. Uh, and what did you? I you said you fell off of it. Did you did you like it at the start and just kind of fell off, or was it more of a I'm this is not grabbing me at all type of thing? <laughs> uh, this may be an unfair th- uh, reference, but it, it struck me a game when I started playing the game the second time round. Cat's kind of treated really badly by a lot of people around her mm-hmm. um, in a way that kind of made me feel like she's treated like Nicole Kidman's character in Dogville, who's <laughs> treated like a, a gopher for everyone to do whatever is needed. Um, that's obviously a, not a great comparison because Cat is seemingly fairly happy to help out wherever she can and try, you know it's not put upon her in in any kind of well not not really a negative way but yeah i just felt like i between it being a tutorial when i already kind of knew the mechanics from having played uh, the original and just every mission feeling like it was someone else just asking cat to go and do something for them which that's a really inelegant way of putting it but it did feel like cat was a little bit being stepped on by people around her uh, and that definitely sure. didn't didn't kind of enthuse me to play more of the game um, and I don't think that's a an unfair uh, way to feel about large parts of this game because that that kind of is the impetus for a lot of missions in the game which obviously we'll get on to talking about but it definitely at the beginning kind of was very concentrated sure. in terms of your you are trying to help people who need your help and you are trying to help people who are being you know, kind to you in one sense or another, but yeah, just something about the tone of it at the beginning didn't kind of work for me to hold my attention and and keep me uh, interested in playing more. Yeah, it definitely does kind of suffer from the nobody in this town can do literally anything for themselves syndrome. Yeah, Yeah, walk down a set of stairs and pick up a box. No, you need to do that for them. You have gravity powers, you pick up the box. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So let's, uh, Charlotte, what about you? Have you, uh, did you play any of this beforehand or was this kind of your first go around as well? I had played the demo before. Mm -hmm. Um, I gave it a go and I thought, I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. Um, I I gave it a little try and it seemed just too complex and we're going to talk about this, but I was already having problems with the camera. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just gave it a go and then put it down. But I always wanted to come back to it because I'd written a piece, um, not really for Main Destructoid, but when I was just part of the community about different outfits in games, for example, Cat and 2B from Nier Automata, Mm -hmm. and how you could potentially recreate those outfits in real life using designer clothing and that sort of thing. Because I was always really fascinated with Cat's outfit. I think it's one of the most striking and beautiful outfits I've seen in a video game. So I was always interested in in Cat as a character and potentially going back to the game because I was just so struck by her character design. And yeah, so I decided to put my name down for the podcast and I was quite excited when it came up and ju- I was just really looking forward to an excuse to go and play this game. And yeah, I, I got the opportunity to play it, which I'm really, I'm really glad for. Cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that's interesting what you're saying about, uh, about Kat's outfit, um, because hers, hers always seemed kind of the, um, I, I don't, I don't really want to say sensible because I, that's kind of wrong, but not 
in contrast to say Raven's outfit, which you would have to have gravity powers to keep that in place. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's in comparison to many female protagonists, uh, kind of female action protagonists. It is, it, you know, it doesn't seem like something that's completely unreasonable for her to be wearing when she's doing this stuff. Uh, mm. So that's that's kind of neat. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Unless I am mistaken, uh, you <laughs> you uh, had not played the first game, is that correct? Ah, yeah, sorry. Um, no, I hadn't played the first game. I did mm-hmm. play a little bit of the first game after finishing Gravity Rush 2 because I wanted to have a little bit of a yeah. ability to compare the two, but I hadn't played it before, primarily because, well, it, it first came out on the PS Vita and um, I didn't have... I, I don't believe that the PS TV in Europe can play Gravity Rush, hmm. the original. I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, I never got around to playing it when it first came mm-hmm. out. And when the remastered came out, um, I think I tried a little bit on PS Now because it's available on PS Now. Mm-hmm. But um, this was back before PS Now allowed you to download games. So my with my terrible inter- internet connection, it was cutting out constantly. So that Ooh, got yeah, put that to be- bed very, very fast, like within half an hour. Oh yeah, understandable. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, I I did play the original uh, Gravity Rush on the Vita, pretty close after release. It was not immediate, I don't believe. Um, but you know, it was uh, one of those things that I think that I did on my commute. Um, so little bit iffy there where um in something so heavily based on a uh on a camera position and kind of where you are made it a little bit tricky being already in motion um but i too picked up gravity rush to sometime in some sale i don't remember exactly when it was but uh i didn't actually play anything this is kind of the story of uh of my PS Plus existence is uh, whenever those sales come around, I inevitably end up picking up a game or two that then just kind of sits and uh, a an excuse like this is exactly what I needed. So I was looking forward to diving into Gravity Rush 2 because I did like the original kind of in general. Wasn't uh, a huge fan, but well enough liked uh, that I did want to kind of continue on and see what they did to build upon that for the sequel. Um, So I played Gravity Rush 2 all the way through for this recording. And then I also went back and played through the Gravity Rush remaster, which is the PS4 version of the original. And that was uh, something that I did, um, I guess, in the space of a couple of days. I did it pretty quickly. probably as a combination of having uh, played the base game before and kind of having a refresher in how the mechanics work from going through uh, Gravity Rush 2. So, uh, Jay, I you have probably the most unique connection to this game uh, of, of the four of us uh, because you actually have some personal connections here. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so we've known... Uh, Kichiro Toyama for about 10 years <laughs> so wow. yeah and we tend to meet up like whenever we're in Japan we, we meet up and go for a meal and so on uh, I don't know if bias comes into it I don't think it will <laughs> with this but <laughs> because we're friends with the creator I picked this up day one you, you, you feel I wouldn't say obligated but because you, you know, want to be wanna supportive support of course your friend. yeah 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I picked this up day one. I played about an hour and then shelved it for, um, 
yeah, I think it was just a case that more than likely wasn't that it didn't get its hooks into me. Well, it obviously didn't at the time, but something else came out. Looking at the time, if I'm not mistaken, I think um, looking at when it came out, it would have been a few months before, probably a month or two before Horizon. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that something else, what exactly took my mind off it, I'm not sure. But I know that once Horizon came out, that was all I was playing for the next couple of months anyway. So then I think it, it just literally got shelved. And every time I'd look at it, it was a case of there was something else I was playing. And so I always felt kind of, I felt that it was a game that I wanted to get done. Um, certainly because every time we met up with, yeah, Tayama-san, it was a case of like, I still haven't finished this game, you know? <laughs> so it was like, I needed to, I needed uh, some impetus to get it, get it finished. So when we were putting through uh, suggestions for this, this, year, this year's volume, I inevitably picked Gravity Rush 2 because I thought, yeah, it's the excuse I need to finish it. Yeah. So yeah, that's why we're all here today. <laughs> Great. So I, I kind of found it interesting when I was taking a look at review scores um, because we, um, kind of drawing back the curtain here, we did have a fair amount of discussion on this game uh, in kind of our Slack channel before the recording as we were all playing through it more or less for the first time. Um, and it, it, it hasn't been the most positive discussion in a lot of parts, and we'll, we'll get into exactly what we did and did not like about it, uh, of course, as we go on. But uh, the reviews were fairly positive, um, almost almost universally. Um, the Metacritic score over 90 reviews is an 80%, which is, it's pretty good. Um, not not the highest, but uh, I've certainly seen a lot of games go uh, much lower than that, that I, that I liked more even. Uh, and a user score on Metacritic of an 8.2 over 457 reviews. So, so fairly positive overall. About the same from Internet Movie Database, that is an 8.5. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're floating around uh, low 80s, uh, low to mid 80s there. Um, so decent, decent review scores. Um, and the sales were not great, but not terrible. Um, The game actually ended up number one in the charts in Japan the week of its release, but uh, the worldwide figures are only about 350,000 copies sold worldwide. Um, So, you know, it did sell. Uh, So there are plenty of people who were seeing this and presumably a a, uh, pretty decent number of reviews, and it just, it doesn't seem like everybody who played it had the same issues that I think we're, we're going to be talking about here. Uh, sales figures are, are, are really odd into themselves because you look at you can look at 350 mm-hmm. or 350,000 and think, wow, that's not a lot. But it goes against how much the game cost. Mm-hmm. And you've yeah. always, you know, and all those factors into it. And I think that all too often when we just ban the th- throw a number out, everybody kind of looks at that. A lot of people will look at that and compare it across the board with everything else. So, you know, GTA sold 70 million copies or whatever, but, you know, and it's not the same because one had many, many, many more times budget than this one did. Yeah. Yeah. But... No, for sure. That was almost exactly what I was going to say, Jay, was. Mm. Actually, I looked at 350,000 and thought... I could see that being above expectations, in all honesty, especially given Gravity Rush was a fairly well-known game, but it wasn't 
massive big seller, massive success. So this was a, a calculated sequel to release. They had to know what the mm-hmm. the ability to sell this game and what the audience was likely to be. So yeah, when I hear three hundred fifty thousand, I'm like, oh wow, that's you know that actually seems to me like for for the kind of game a second in you know it, it's. It's not a niche game by any stretch, I don't think, but it's not, yeah, it's not a game that I would expect to be seeing, oh, two million copies sold or anything. That just doesn't feel like where this game's pitched and and what the expectation for it would be. I do wonder, though, now I I do not have uh, figures as to what the budget was for this game, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that it was probably a fair amount higher than the budget for Gravity Rush 1, just given the scope of the game and the fact that it's developed for the PS4 instead of the Vita. Um, And like I said, I I could be completely off on that. I do not have the figures, but um, it it just, it seems like that. So I, I... I think it would be interesting to see kind of a, did it scale in sales according to how much the budget scaled or was it kind of off in that respect? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I should, I should have checked this with Tayomasan himself and just asked him. But I do feel <laughs> that there were there's a lot of reusing of assets in this yes, game. Yes. Uh, so there's a lot of cost cutting in the sense that sort of character animations could be reused. Maybe the character models were redesigned mm-hmm. with a higher resolution. But then you wonder just how much that how much was taken from the Vita version and transferred into right. sort of the the spine of this one, if you will. Yeah. And well, especially as the remastered version was already on PS4. Yeah. Yeah. So you wonder if there was crossover yeah, between exactly. that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's actually uh, use that and, and kind of talk about the uh, kind of the scenario of the game uh, and, and tie that into the story. I, we did mention that there was a fair amount of reusing of assets and part of that is because one of the two big um, settings of the game uh, is the same as the setting of Gravity Rush 1 and that is uh, Hexaville and then the new setting uh, that you spend I'd say about an equal amount of time in uh, Jirga Paralau um, is kind of a uh, of of similar size but built and set up kind of differently. Um, so you are effectively doubling the size of the area that you have to work with and that you have to uh, do missions in and that you have to play in. And um, while one of them is pretty close to uh, what you're going to be used to if you did play the first game. The second one is completely new, and that's where you start out. Um, So I want to read a little bit of uh, user correspondence, and again, you can email us, uh, podcast at canemrince.com, or you can visit our forum. That's canemrince.com slash forum. You can also tweet at us, Facebook, uh, everything that we said at the top is a great way to get a hold of us and get your correspondence in for future issues. Uh, this is from Colin Alonso on the forum, who says, the new city of Jirga Paralau is interesting in how it differs from Hexville, both visually and in physical structure, with more open areas to fly around its clusters of smaller islands. However, I preferred flying through Hexville's streets and various levels when I returned there. Uh, so, yeah, we've got two fairly different... Uh, Jirga Paralau is more vertical, uh, and as uh, Colin Alonso mentions here, uh, it's set up 
kind of not in a contiguous way. There are a lot of smaller uh, islands that you kind of bounce around between. Um, what did you guys think? Did you find that uh, an interesting way to progress through the story or was it frustrating to try and have to find things? Um, some of the really long flights between different mm -hmm. levels of that world were... Um, yeah. You had to kind of make... Because obviously you've got a meter for uh, moving for changing gravity and kind of um keeping it that way so if if you run out of meter you just fall for a couple of seconds and then your meter recharges and you can go but that just kind of interrupts that so i have to imagine the the long gaps where you're kind of focusing on a shadow in the clouds to head towards Ooh. that i presume is a loading thing to make it that big of a distance because it's like seven eight hundred meters in some cases which doesn't sound like a massive deal but it's a long way to travel and usually requires like two or three periods where you have to recharge your meter and it just it, it did make for um a, an obvious visual reference as to mm -hmm. you're on different levels There's, these are different worlds i mean they may as well be worlds apart um each level in terms of social standing because that comes into it very heavily as it definitely. did in the in the first game in in that city you were very definitely left uh feeling like you know in some ways the there are areas where the poorer people live and there are areas mm -hmm. where the the rich and powerful live um uh and this was kind of a nice thematic and physical duality there i guess which worked very well uh might have been a little two on the nose I yeah think point. That, uh, that's but, what i was yeah. uh that's what i was kind of wondering i found that it really hits you over the head with some of the uh some of the kind of social standing stuff and the, the there is a fairly strong storyline throughout about uh the the middle class and and the lower classes especially kind of being uh shoved down by the military and the upper class and they while I think that that's totally fair as a way to, uh, you know, kind of go through the story and everything, they really push it. You know, you have the, in, in a physical sense, uh, kind of as you were saying, James, there's this island way up in the sky and that's where the rich people live. And then in the middle, there's like the markets and that's where the, that's where the, the normal, normal air quotes people live. And then way down at the bottom, that's where the, uh, the lower classes live. So it's, you are physically where your social status points you to. And I, what, anybody else think that that was a little much? <laughs> I mean, there was a point where I was talking to somebody up in the higher echelons of the level, and he was basically extremely shocked because of, by the idea that he would have to pay any tax. <laughs> and it was like, he, there was no concept of income tax. I know there's the whole Panama Papers thing that's been going on, but like as if he was shocked of the prospect of any sort of, of like any form of taxation. And I was just like, that is really over the top. Mm -hmm. Like it was just things like that. It was just so, and it was it was fine. It didn't bother me that much. And I felt like um, at least I had a strong idea of what the theme of the story of that half of the game was, but it was, it could have been a little bit more subtle, I think. Yeah. Uh, the biggest problem I had with it is it had all these kind of themes going on, but they never really go anywhere. And then they get mm. sort of shoved to one side for some other, like the game tangents all the time. Mm -hmm. Like it goes, it starts yeah. out as that stuff. And then suddenly, oh, now it's this game. Now we've got a new bad guy. Now you've got to fight these people. It's completely different to what you were doing before. It, it bears very little resemblance to the story that we've been building. 
And so it, it, all these kind of social themes didn't really, it, it, they felt shallow as hell. Like it just didn't feel like there was any substance behind any of it in regards to the sort of the general narrative it just it just kept sort of swinging from one thing to another yeah and i felt like jirga Paralau and hexaville were very poorly knitted together mm-hmm. like i i didn't really see they sort of tried to bring them together and make them relevant to each other but i didn't really get it maybe yeah. it was because i didn't play the first one beforehand but i don't think so no, no they, they, <laughs> yeah no <laughs> it's just uh... Yeah, towards the end of the game, they actually physically just kind of stick them together, and yeah, it, yeah. it's it, it is really kind of jarring there. Yes, <laughs> jarring is a good way to put it. Um, there was there was definitely uh, always with um, Hexaville, there, there was a sense of you know here's the entertainment district, here's the mm-hmm. school yeah. district, here's where the mm-hmm. poor people live, here's the industrial area, yeah. here's where all the rich people live. So it definitely had a segregated society. Yeah. And the notion that Cat is living below where everybody else lives in a pipe is supposed to be like, here's where the forgotten people go. Um, and the first game definitely had uh, this notion of Cat becoming a champion for the, the vulnerable and the forgotten. Um, uh, but but it, it, when you're going to a rich person's mansion to give them an invite and they treat you like a servant and tell you to go and get a balloon or ask you to go and find the master who is literally hiding from his servants <laughs> to give them a headache, it's... It is yeah. excessive. I, it, I agree that it is not a new thing. They did do this in the first game to an extent, but here it's just... But here it's, it's, it's the central... Yeah, there's there's more consistency with the first game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, with this, it's like there's a point in the game where an island comes alive, or you mm-hmm. bring in another one. Now, forgive me, I can never pronounce it. Was this a new? Um, oh, what's the name of that place? That you go in? I think. Paralian. Paralian. Yeah. Again, very little explanation with this stuff, yeah. but suddenly it starts attacking the other city. You save everybody, but all that social stuff gone. It's like there's yeah, no it, it, there's no culmination of that story. Yeah. There's no sense of it, you know. Other than say Lisa basically becoming in charge of running the place and the whole and, place, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that's really where that goes. And it it just felt kind of insubstantial. It didn't feel like, you know, yeah. It just it, it yeah. Felt- it, you spend the 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 first part of the game realizing that there are these echelons in the in the city and. Cat's trying to bridge the gap between them, realizes there's injustice happening, and actually maybe like you're literally given a choice to take some fuel to poor people who need it or take it to rich mm. people who are buying it because they can. I mean, that literally they are buying yeah. it because they can. They want to set fire to it, basically. Um, literally. I believe that they... Yeah, I think that's I think you're preparing say, for a yeah, party or yeah. they're preparing for a party yeah. or something and they want to have... They want to have uh, fire just because, and meanwhile, there are the poor orphans <laughs> yeah. down in the uh, in the lower islands who, yeah, who are nothing. being protected yeah. by the gang, who's not a bad gang. Yeah. So you know you have to go through the the whole uh, mission where you find out that they're not the bad guys just because they look different, and that's another little heavy-handed slap. Um, yeah, uh, and, and, I mean- and the resolution of all that then is here's the rich, here's the poor, here's the council who are in charge of it all. But when a, a monstrous 
island comes alive and starts eating things, we're all equal. That That's a real ham-fisted way to go about making that point. And who actually learns anything there? The rich people still don't want to be ruled mm. by um, Lisa. And Lisa begrudgingly takes on that responsibility because she is the one person who kind of can do something about it. Yeah. But um, it never felt like there was a resolution there that Kat no. was part of. It was mm. it was very strange kind of first act of the game, I thought. Well, yeah. it's not just the first act. I think it goes throughout the game because I think all the time I'm like, but what happened to that? What, is that it? What, <laughs> when did, like, you know, and at the end of the game, I'm, I'm scratching my head to, you know, a greater extent. It's just really... <laughs> yeah. Char- Charlotte? Um, I was just going to say this whole... I was thinking about the whole how it kind of bashes you over the head with themes and then sort of drops them. I feel like um, an example of a game that knitted together social, the idea of social inequality and and followed that idea a lot better is Watch Dogs 2, because Mm. you have the different areas. You have Oakland, where there's a lot of gang culture, and then you have Silicon Valley, where all of the rich tech bros live. And it's sort of, you, you do missions in different ones, but it never sort of feels like a caricature. Mm-hmm. And I know it's obviously because it's based on a real place, but it's yeah. it's not the case that just because it's a game, everything's got to be over the top. You can follow the themes a bit more subtly. And maybe if they'd have been a bit more subtle, they would have been able to marry everything together a lot better. I think because they were trying to achieve so much and cover so many mm. different environments and try to do it all loud and blaring. That's where they sort of got a little bit lost. Yeah, I think because I think the words been mentioned before, but it, there's a bloatedness to this game overall, and I think that's where one of one of the problems lies. Is that certainly with the story, is it just goes? It it needed to downsize it a little bit, I think, and and concentrate on what it was actually trying to achieve. Because I feel it, it it just bounces all over the place, and it, it's quite confusing in parts. But, I think that the. Uh the the whole idea of them going to a new place felt a little bit tacked on mm. um mm. you because you spend yeah you spend the entire first game in one city you you're in hexaville for pretty much yeah. the entire game and there is a um i actually watched this today it's pretty short and it's available on youtube if anybody is interested uh they put out an anime in between the first and second games called gravity rush overture and it's kind of supposed to get you from the first one to the second one whether it really does that is uh, or how effectively it does that eh. i mean there's there's it's only two episodes and they're about 10 minutes each so it's not it's not extensive but basically they you know they they needed a new setting and this is how they're getting you there and uh, i personally ended up feeling like if they had chosen one setting and focused on that rather than trying to cover both then i mean i understand that as a console game and as a sequel it needed to kind of expand upon the original and this is the way that they chose to do that but it it felt a little I don't know. It felt a little uh, contrived to me, I guess. So uh, let's talk about the characters a little bit. Um, I'm not going to go through each one of them individually, but um, let's we'll talk about, I, I guess, the main people a little bit and then see if you guys have uh, anything that really caught your attention. Uh, so you start off with Kat, who was your protagonist in the first game as well, and her uh, companion, I guess, uh, Dusty, 
who is a little cat made of stars. And uh, you do kind of end up finding out where the companions came from and uh, and what they're supposed to be uh, and what their function is towards the end of the game. Um, well, I guess it would be after the end of the game, technically. But um, the other character that you spend a lot of time with is Raven, who was also a character from the first game, and her, uh, appropriately enough, Raven companion, uh, Ji. So they are the two uh, who can actually, they're the two playable characters. You play Raven in the Raven DLC uh, and Cat for the rest of the game. And they are the ones that the gravity shifting mechanics apply to. So they're the ones that you're going to be controlling kind of throughout this world and, uh, and using to fight and to complete these side missions. Um, so I... Uh, Charlotte, you talked about uh, about Kat a little bit and being interested in her. Uh, I thought that they were pretty decent foils to each other. Uh, and again, you're going to get a little bit of the uh, of the obvious nature of the the relationship between these two because you have uh, Kat, who is you know this blonde, very uh, very. Uh, traditionally good-looking girl, and then you have Raven, who is the mysterious, pale, dark-haired girl. Um, and you know, you, they they set each other off physically that way. But also, the fact that Raven comes in as a character who has been kind of brainwashed by the other side, and part of what you're going to need to do is to get her free and get her back on your side. Um, did anybody else have particularly strong opinions about the? main characters in the game liking them or not liking them or feeling nothing i guess i mean i felt like cat was um i'm, I'm going between different opinions on whether cat could have been a bit more vocal about all the people mm -hmm. being horrible to her like it's already been mentioned but a lot of people are extremely horrible to cat Yes, But at the same time, she does occasionally make kind of sarcastic comments under her breath whenever people ask her to do something <laughs> really inappropriate or really um, like an imposition on her. And I kind of liked that about her, how instead of being um, really vocal and angry, she'd sort of be extremely passive aggressive. I thought, thought that was quite <laughs> funny. Agreed. Yeah, I, I've always liked Kat as a character. Um, she has this kind of wide-eyed hopeful nature that i'd associate with um like a peter parker style character where she is always trying to do what she feels is best it doesn't always work out but you always know where she's coming from um and in the same way you do with raven except it's from a deeply cynical place <laughs> where you know she'll just be sarcastic and grumpy and you know that kind of side of her i i really like the two of them but um cat in particular because it ties to her mechanics I really like her as this hopeful version of like a Street Fighter's Cammy White, and the, <laughs> the the fact that Cammy literally just zips across the screen kicking people is just perfect as well, you know. Um, and and Cat takes that, and the fact that she was um, she had amnesia in the first game and was kind of discovering who she was, and then this game you get to find out. Um, it didn't really change her character all that much at, at all, in fact. Yeah, but. I was kind of fine with that because I'm kind of fine with where Kat is. I think the thing that this game lacked for me is the revelations about her don't really... I'm not sure what her arc is through it as a character. 
which yeah. which would be more of a problem if I didn't in, enjoy the character she already was kind of fully formed. Um, but but yeah, I've I've always liked Cat and the the way that um, that builds in her mechanics as well. I've I've always liked the mechanics of of this game, uh, of this series. Um, the notion of being able to fly through. Um, Fly, just fly, basically, but yes. by by manipulating gravity rather than by, you know, it, it's almost a is it a man with a flying gun or a flying man with a gun? Cat literally can't fly, but she can manipulate things so that she can. That's a really cool way to kind of reach out into the world and to be someone who's hopeful and trying to trying to be even more than she already is all the time is really uh, really cool. I think. Yeah. And you mentioned that um, that you kind of have uh, an arc about finding out who she is. And this is something that they reference in the first game, but never really resolve. So I think no, that's absolutely. probably something that a lot of people were hoping to get out of the second game. And they do, but it's not until after the first set of credits that they really go back to that part of what the first game was. Um, so I, I guess Which we'll, makes uh, it almost seem optional. Yeah. Like, I wonder... They, well, they I'd, presu- I'd argue that it is, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you get a credit coming up and, and the credit sequence with mm-hmm. all the names and stuff coming through and the next mission doesn't show up no. at all until no. you've done like a set of certain objectives within the map. You've got to look for them as well. Yes. And, you know... I'll be honest, I didn't do that stuff. I stopped at the first end of credits and I'll go into the reasons why. Yeah. But yes. I think they'll become apparent as I as I <laughs> as we progress with this recording. But the um but yeah, there's a the, like I checked on YouTube because everybody was saying there's twenty five missions and I was like, Yeah, there was twenty one on mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you look on YouTube as to what these other missions were, and to be honest, it felt seriously padded out and also really tacked on for some reason and why you chose to do a credit sequence after that mission is beyond me i cannot understand that like it makes no sense why didn't you just have the one credit sequence at the end of the game or if if there were credits after uh, two-thirds of the way through why wasn't there a third as well where (laughs) kind of apropos of nothing cat ends up back in hexville it felt it felt like the three chapters that were honest. almost completely yeah. distinct and yeah. should have been presented as three separate stories. To me, th- that yeah. seems a, a, a better way of putting this story I mean, together. in terms of clearing up the questions you might have mm. regarding Cat, I mean, I was watching this this morning and I'm just rolling my eyes at a lot of it, to be quite honest, because <laughs> I just thought I'm not really bothered about seeing this at this point. I think but, that, yeah. yeah, I think that uh, for me, the the way that that was handled it it was odd because either yeah. it it seemed like they couldn't decide which way to go with the story like this was mm. going if they wanted to continue the story from the first gravity rush then yes by all means go into cat's background why she has amnesia where she who she actually is where she came from all of that you know yeah. that that seems like it almost seems like that would have been a better middle step in between yeah. the two games than than the uh, than the overture explanation, uh, or it could have been you know if they had uh, I don't want to say padded out because that's what the uh, that's what kind of the whole game felt like to me, mm. but uh, if they had expanded upon that section of things, that could have been the whole second game. They didn't really need to bring a new location into it in that way. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's all 
you know, hypothetical, but uh, it, I, I agree about it feeling tacked on. It, it really just didn't feel like it belonged where it was. Well, you could have, I mean, in terms of introducing another area, that doesn't, like, there are ways you could have implemented that better rather sure. than her just sort of wake up in this city and, and then, oh, I'm in a new place, okay. Because mm-hmm. um, assuming you haven't seen the anime, because it's otherwise, yeah. it's, it's, you know, there's a big question mark. And I always, we've talked about this in previous shows, Putting uh, a connection between two games in external media is a mistake Yeah. because you cannot yeah. guarantee that anybody's going to see this unless, mm-hmm. of course, you put it on the game disc as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, yes. yeah. Yeah, that yeah. should have been in the extras. Watch the anime yeah. first. And know, I mean, and then- it, yeah. to, to their credit, it was free. It, they never did charge for that. But I agree. It's it's just so strange yeah. that that they that they did it the way that they did. Because I, yeah. I, I didn't even know that it existed until mm. I was. But you could have introduced. Um, yeah. You could have brought in a new area as like uh, if you'd made that the cool sort of central tenant to the story was her basically finding out what happened, fi- discovering who she is. It, along the way, you could have opened up that new area because you know somebody would have introduced it and said, "Oh, maybe there's something in Jogra Parallel," and you're like, "Okay, let's go ahead there," yeah. and then you find a way to do it, and then you go through it. You know, and there's, there's ways you could have implemented it in a far more coherent manner mm-hmm. than the way it's done. And there's, well, there's you know, like I said earlier, there's too much of this stuff. There's too much of it. Like, there's very little foreshadowing in terms of. Um, plot points like you'll get to a certain point in the story and then it'll just tangent off into a different type of game and now we've got a different sort of antagonist uh, uh, you know and different enemies and then uh, we're going to tangent again and now it's going to be this type of game and this Mm. is where the story's going and it's just like (sighs) yeah (laughs) it strikes me a bit like similar to the um, old director's cut problem where the director can't really well, people can't really decide what the film should be, so there are multiple versions yeah. floating around mm-hmm. for people to decide what they want, for example, like with Blade Runner. And um, mm. the biggest, like the whole fact that there's a credit sequence right in the middle is one yeah. of the biggest red flags that it has this director's cut problem. And we're going to experience that later on in the volume with Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> and it's, it's becoming, maybe this is just two games, so you can't draw a pattern, but I feel like, we need developers to have more focus and have more confidence in their vision and stop trying to please everybody because it just does it just weakens the whole game. Um, the the counterpoint I would give to that is something like near again something that is going to come up later in the volume as well where you can just get to credits but that really isn't the whole experience yeah and mm, it's yeah. kind of known it's it, it's made it enough of a big deal of that I think most people know you can just go to first credits and that would be enough to say your piece on a Kane Rinse episode, but mm-hmm. actually there's more. And I think the difficulty with the two games you just rightly mentioned, Charlotte, for me is I think a lot of people get to those credits and don't feel the pull to see more. As yeah. as Jay mm-hmm. said, he didn't. I think listening to you guys talk, I I wonder if there is supposed to be a weird thematic link between the three sections of this game in that in the in the um first section Kat is seeing a world where there is upper echelon and kind of the lower end of society and trying to bridge the gap and then in the second one she's going back to a familiar place but she is literally a non-person she's forgotten and mm-hmm. is pushed into the lower levels back into her pipe of society and through happenstance almost climbs her way out to then find that once again the upper echelons aren't all that 
great. You know, there's people taking advantage of others and trying to do awful things to those who are mm. less fortunate. And then in the third part, we find out that Cap was originally one of the very upper echelons, way above any of the people we've seen before, and was trying to do the right thing and was punished for that, um, that led to this whole thing, uh, this whole situation. Um, but the problem I have is the revelation of who Kat was and where she came from, that section of the game when you first go up to the top of the world tree, I thought was so cool thematically. I wasn't zipping around. I didn't have gravity powers, uh, but it, they weren't taken away to make a, to give me a combat challenge. They were taken away because I was, or Kat was, literally being controlled. She was literally stripped of those powers in order to keep her as a figurehead and put her in a certain place. And that repetitive kind of going through each day motion was a really cool way to explore what Kat's life would have been had she not been cast out and got away from this place. Um, the, the problem is we didn't know this place existed, really. We didn't know who these people were, aside from the gods that we've seen before. But therefore, we have no context for why this is a revelation that should be revelatory or shocking or interesting to us. It's just, oh, Cat was once one of these people. So? Yeah. And none of matter. this, none of that is actually really presented until after that credit sequence. Yeah. And so there's no sort of building up this this background on the on the character and and this sort of the sort of background narrative if you will it's mm. it's just it's just like that it literally starts once you've hit the first credit sequence and that is the point where it's just like that was the thing that bugged me the most it's like yeah. A good story can be underpinning that stuff right from the beginning. And so it's teasing you all the way through. Yeah. And then it's the revelation. And then it works. You yeah. know, and, yeah, and it's no, like yeah, you absolutely. can't just suddenly say, oh, now. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, here we go, 90 degrees this direction. And it's just like, what? <laughs> they, they essentially do kind of start a whole new story after that first set of credits. And it just. Well, sure. they kind yeah, of do yeah, it three sure. times during the game, yeah. don't they? Because yeah. they it, kind of say it's three separate, like, vignettes yeah. that they've stuck, stitched together with and now cats in a new place. And yeah. that's, I think that that can be a completely valid way to tell a story, but I don't think that they pull it off here. For sure. No. No. It felt disjointed when I was playing it, as, and as much as I liked e what I liked about each section individually, never felt like it worked together in a way that improved the whole for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, which is a shame. Uh, okay, well, before we uh, move along a little bit, uh, are there any other characters th that anybody had a an especially strong uh, connection to? I know, uh, Charlotte, I think you said that you liked the fortune teller character whose name I am blanking on because I did not write it down. Aki. I, I loved all my time spent with her and her um, slightly bizarre setup for her shop. <laughs> and um, I would have loved if there would have been a proper quest, um, like instead of a few side missions, if there'd have been a proper quest um, tree sort of coming off from doing things or for her or working for her, because she just seems such a fascinating character. And I'm hoping that I get to do a lot more with her in uh, Gravity Rush Remastered when I get through to playing a lot more of that because she just seemed like a really charming character. Same with uh, Newt and um, what's the name of his w wife again? Um, uh, Echo. Echo, yeah, that's it. Um, I Yeah, I, I thought all the characters that I encountered who we were revisiting from um, 
from Gravity Rush Remastered I really really liked which is what made me want to go back and play that game instead <laughs> yeah I you, you will if you choose to uh to go back through Gravity Rush 1 um you do get more of of both of those you get more of Aki and you get more of uh of Newt and Echo so we've We've been discussing kind of how we feel that the worlds fit together or don't, as as may be the case. Um, so I want to talk about how the worlds look and feel and and sound. And we'll start that off with a piece from uh, Simon Sloth on the forum, who says, The game looks beautiful. I didn't play the remaster of the original, so I was very much blown away on multiple occasions. The soundtrack is sublime with a slinky French jazz hotel lobby style theme of Le Havina as my favorite. That's a really great way to describe it. Mm -hmm. I really appreciated the variety on offer and how each locale was visually and audibly distinct. So I agree that they are distinct. I'm not sure that I agree how they that that it's such a good thing that they are. Um, we've talked about this a bit already, but were there any elements of the visual style uh, that stood out to anyone? If if there's one thing that is always a positive with this game is its visual presentation mm -hmm. i i love the way it looks i love the cell shading i love the character designs i love the yeah. city designs i love the idea of floating i mean partly due to the fact that it, it's uh tiyama's sort of mentioned a lot in in interviews that he's a, he was influenced by the sort of french artist mobius yeah. i've got a whole stack of his stuff and and i'm a huge fan of his sort of you know the color palette and the sort of the weird worlds in which he created in, in his various works. That is definitely a massive plus for me. Yeah, I, I agree. It's gorgeous. Like the, I, yeah. I really do like the, um, as you say, the color palette looks mm. really nice. Um, it's uh, darker in the places that it needs to be darker. Um, when you start fighting the, uh, the, the, the more monstrous and non-human enemies, you know, they're black and red. You, you can very yeah. easily see that these are the bad guys and this is, uh, this is not something that's fitting into the world around you. So I, I think that it does a really great job of kind of visually signaling a lot. And, uh, we haven't mentioned yet the, uh, the, in lieu of having cutscenes for the most part, you will see um, kind of a comic book, comic panel style presentation right. uh, in between some of the scenes that I think is just beautiful. I, I really enjoy the uh, the 2D art just about as much as I enjoy the 3D art, actually. Right. So this is what now I loved this in the first game, mm -hmm. but I really fell out of of love with it with the sequel. Really? Um. Yeah. And it was so. And it's really well. I think it comes down to one thing. So I loved the kind of parallax yeah. movement Wind that you've got. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Look into the cells. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I love that. that. I, I, I still love it. I think it yeah. looks incredible when you're moving your, your, yeah. your dual shock around and you're kind of getting that 3D effect on it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Where I think it, it, where I had the problem was that, it, and it's in regards to the characters, and it's connected to two things. So one is, I know. We've got it marked down as a, a, a thing later on, but it's the it's the use of or the lack of language in the game, mm -hmm. lack of voiceover, or when it is voiceover, it's done in a, a, a in a made up language. And so the problem I had with this is I felt that these comic panels weren't they weren't investing me in the characters because they all felt very kind of like the dialogue was very throwaway, it felt very light. Mm -hmm. um, and because I wasn't hearing these characters vocalize a lot of the time, I wasn't. They it, it 
it pulled me away from it. It just kind of felt that everybody was really shallow, really two-dimensional, rather than creating a character. And, I'm, and there's part of me, every now and again, there's odd moments in the game where it goes into a more traditional cutscene, animated in-engine. And there's, there is, every time these happen, I kind of felt, you know what, maybe they should have done away with two things. One, those comic panels and done everything in an animated style in a proper sort of uh, in-engine cutscene. And also just give characters actual voices and, and give them, like, the problem I've got with that, that sort of um, made-up language is it works when there's very little dialogue in games. So it works mm-hmm. in, like, Team Eco games where there's minimal dialogue going on between characters. It doesn't work when you've got exposition <laughs> being yeah. spoken by three or four characters. I just... It just was a turnoff, really. Mm. And I think it, it, I was forgiving when it was on the Vita because there's always that sort of sense that it's limited in the space and it was a way to uh, minimise sort of, you know, disk space, if you will. You could optimise that stuff. It was it was taking up less memory by doing that stuff. It wasn't like you had to have vocal tracks and stuff. So I understood it for that. And I think that's why I didn't have a problem with it on the Vita version. Less of a, I had more of an issue with it this time around. I think I actually disagree. I think I really liked the made-up language, but mm. maybe we'll talk about that more later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we can, we can go into that now. It's it's definitely oh, part okay. of uh, definitely part of how uh, how it immerses you in the world. Yeah. So um, mm. as as Jay mentioned, it is a uh, created completely fictional language uh, created by Toyama specifically for the game, uh, and apparently it is based on how French sounds. It's not actually French, and it is not actually well, it's not actually anything. It was, I had to actually go and that's another thing that I looked up while I was playing the game because I I listened to it and I know enough Japanese to know that's not Japanese and I know enough French to know that's not French. So I was I was wondering if it was a real language or not and I suspected it wasn't, I was correct. But um, Charlotte, yeah, go ahead and um, wh- what did you think about the language? Sounds like you had a more positive reaction overall. I just think um, the fact that it was a made up language helped to build it up in a way, it did help me understand the environments more in mm-hmm. spite of the fact that there were the, these two separate worlds that weren't really properly mar- married together. I mean, like, um, so my full-time job is in languages. Mm-hmm. So it was just really fascinating to me to be listening and trying to see what does that sound like? And it, it sort of built a picture up in my head of of what the entire sort of country, so to speak, of where all this is based would sort of look like it was really a really good atmospheric tool for me because in general I think it's just a very personal thing that I really love um the how developers construct their own languages for example with Simlish in The Sims and how they even got musicians Mm. to re-record their songs in Simlish I just um and I think it all it's also a very good tool to avoid having voice actors who might potentially not do the best job ever mm-hmm. i think you can cover up a lot of sins by using a made-up language because you can't tell where there's a bit of dodgy intonation if you know what i mean i, th- I sure. think it's a really good really good tool and i i it didn't put me off at all quite the opposite i think um the other thing with that is uh as you're saying charlotte like detecting whether acting is not that great is so much harder in a language that isn't yours and the only way to make sure that's true for everyone playing this game is to make sure it's not a real language yeah um and so i i like the fact that also it's based on french because i think there is a euro sensibility and definitely a french flavor to a lot mm. of hexville and a lot of the 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 style of animation it feels like a euro centric 
Japanese animated uh, look to the game. Um, I like that about the first, and I still like it about this. Um, and and I, I still have a lot of love for the parallax scrolling where you've got essentially the frame of the comic book and it feels like you're looking into that by just tilting the DualShock. I loved it when it was on the Vita as well um, and I still love it here. What I think maybe bridges the gap between what we're all saying here is um, it felt to me like there was a lot more of it this time. I felt like I was tabbing through screen after screen yeah. after screen after screen and if you're doing something that's in a, a made-up language the the point there is you can get across the feel and the tone and the um the mood of what's being said without needing the words and and the other and the thing with comic book is you can get across a lot visually and not rely on a lot of dialogue a lot of comic books don't have a lot of dialogue because yes it's a book but you're, you're not mm. reading it so much as bathing in it sounds like such an airy fairy thing but it's a it's a visual gestalt that hits you and you don't want to necessarily some comic books do but not all of them uh, and often and not often um so having that much language and therefore needing that much of this made up language to go with it 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 felt like a lot to the point where i felt like a couple of screens in i'd got the tone of what this cutscene was and I was hammering that button trying to get mm. through it because not because I don't like the characters or I don't like the story I didn't feel it was adding and it need, it felt like it needed to be edited and I hate saying that because I, I'm not a writer I'm certainly not a video game maker or a narrative director but it, it felt like work to get through some of them and that was a real shame for me there's also a lot of repetition in them they use the same expressions uh, and stuff for the yeah, characters. Yeah, the same yeah, pictures yeah, of the yeah, characters yeah. talking. And you're going, you know, there's like three or four in the thing and then they're basically just rotating through them. Yeah. And that was kind of the thing as well. During a conversation, you're seeing the same images coming up several times. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of, like, it, it, it always, a lot of that stuff felt like a way of cutting, keeping the budget down when it was on the Vita. Yeah. In the sense of you're not having to, you know, you can reuse assets in these things. You're not having full voice acting going on. And I think that the thing is, even with the voice, act, like the the language may have been fine if it was fully voiced. It tends to just start with a word or two at the start of it. And then it's just speech bubbles with no, you know, actual kind of sense of dialogue going on. It's just that. And I, I, And the other thing was, if you watch the anime, it's in Japanese. Yeah. And it's not in this made-up language. So there's another kind of disconnect there with this stuff. It's like, and I think in some ways watching the anime makes me, is maybe what started the idea that I didn't want to go back to this, that I I would have preferred it to have been a more traditional kind of voice. Now, I understand, you know, you could have done the voice. Whether it would have worked fully voiced in a made-up language is debatable. I guess that's entirely down to how you implement it and the actors performing it. The problem is if you did it in Japanese, then you would have to do all the different languages for all the different regions, and then the yeah. cost starts to escalate. So I understand that stuff. I just done. I I I, I just liked it less in this version on this system because it, it, you know that yeah. I think that I almost would have liked to see. Um instead of going the one way where everything is voiced, I almost would have liked to see it swing completely the other way and have the whole thing just, we, why do, we don't need dialogue, just do it in the comic style. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder if it would have carried along 
well, it, like, if it had and, enough to, to carry itself that way. Like, because I mean, when what, what I'm thinking of is when you do see the comic panels, for for example, if they yeah. do have some kind of speech bubble or if they're making something, then it's also in that made up language. So like, it's yeah. not if they just you know had maybe exclamations every now and then, but you know just whether it was all up to just kind of the visual cues instead of having language at all. But that's yeah. or maybe even imp- implementing speech bubbles. Sure. within the world when you're playing in itself so when you're going up to a character and rather than switching to the comic panel stuff you mm. would have like speech bubbles appear in and you know in the 3d world in mm-hmm. a sense to sort of marry the two forms together a little more it just it, it yeah it's just kind of yeah, yeah. well hypotheticals uh we, yeah th- that'll be in our cameron's produced sequel coming in 2027 um <laughs> so uh, I, I did think that the music stood out pretty well, though. Uh, I, I mentioned before that it kind of made me think of Kingdom Hearts music. Um, and while Kohei Tanaka, the composer, uh, did not, in fact, work on Kingdom Hearts, uh, he does have a fairly extensive resume for a lot of anime soundtracks, um, including One Piece, Soccer Wars, Assassination Classroom, and Dragon Ball, which I have been watching recently. So uh, maybe that's where I got my... Uh, my my kind of flash of of uh, recognition from uh, did did anything about the soundtrack kind of stand out uh, to uh, to you folks? I loved the um, like I'm the same as um, as Simon Sloth. I really loved the um, slinky French jazz hotel lobby um, <laughs> tunes. Um, there was occasionally a little bit too much gratuitous sax solo or like there electric was a guitar lot of solo. sax. Yes, yeah. Um, that was a little bit. It was it was knocking on the door of being a bit cheesy, but it was it was really really enjoyable, and I didn't feel like looping. It ever got boring. I thought it was an extremely well done soundtrack mm-hmm. overall. Yeah, I think maybe if you're uh, hopping between places, they they do have themes tied very heavily to specific locations. Um, so I think that that probably tied in pretty well with the hopping around between the different islands and different kind of levels of the city. So all of these are going to tie together into how we felt that the game actually played, which is something that we haven't talked about a ton yet. Um, so let's start off with another uh, piece from uh, Simon Sloth here, who says, The actual gameplay mechanics felt tighter, and I struggled to envision a better control scheme for this game than that on offer. The gravity manipulation when in spacious environments is incredibly flexible and satisfying. Unfortunately, in narrow corridors, it is nigh on broken. One sequence where you're supposed to escape a collapsing hallway became a laborious exercise of plowing into walls disoriented, then trying to establish which way the arrow was pointing to escape. Um, so I, I imagine that we are probably going to disagree, uh, on a lot of this. Um, so I, I personally, I enjoy the, uh, the gravity mechanics. I I do agree about the bit when you are kind of out in the world, kind of finding, just zooming through the air feels pretty good. Um, so I think this is probably where we're going to dive into the main mechanics of the game and how they interact with the camera. Oh, don't. <laughs> Who wants to start about the camera? Because <laughs> I know we have a lot to say about this. Yeah, I mean, the sequence that he's describing there with the collapse in hallway. Yes. That was a point where I literally, after spewing expletives for about three quarters of an hour, I turned it off and thought, I need to stop playing this tonight because I'm going to throw my controller against the wall at this point because it is... I can't remember the last time I was so frustrated playing a game. 
because it was just it felt like everything this game is doing seems deliberately purposefully trying to sap any enjoyment (laughs) I'm getting from playing it I was livid at this point because it felt like I mean my wife was sat next to me and I'm like I can't believe somebody didn't play test this doesn't feel play tested this feels like somebody didn't even play this before they put it out because what the hell yeah oh, it, this is this is I think where we were talking about the reviews uh back towards the beginning yeah. and like yeah. how they overlooked this kind of thing I I think is is where I'll, most of us are going to have uh questions and it ties in with the camera like mm-hmm. so the thing one of the things that dawned on me as I'm playing this game and I kept saying this throughout the the playthrough was why can't cat fly like everybody else in this game? Yeah. And I'm like, I, I've, and I've just... literally written a note saying everyone feels more efficient and more effective than cat in this world. Yeah, like not not just when you're next to Raven and she zooms off ahead of you and yeah, is zipping in a straight about line. people exactly, but in every way, cat feels like her abilities actually hamper her. Yeah ability to do almost anything and this co- to- this corridor sequence it it baffles me why you would do this because <laughs> it so clearly runs counter to what the mechanics of this game yeah are made for that you're in a in a corridor that there's no clear way which is up so when you run out of meter, you do not know which way you're going to fall. No, whereas yeah, when you're out often in the world, you fall backwards, back down yeah, the corridor the area exactly. you just come from. Usually, you've got a reference point when you're in the yeah. open world as to which way is up. Because, yeah. like you know, when we see the sun in the sky, we can tell what direction it is and what time of yeah. day it is, etc. You've just got that inherent knowledge. Whereas when when you're in a closed corridor like this, and okay, so you've got a closed corridor like that. Well, at the very least, don't make the walls lumpy and bumpy and have geometry that you're going to get stuck on. And yeah. put a time I'd, I'd limit free- on it, yeah. And put a time yeah. limit on it and have ruts where you can get stuck in them and not be able to jump out because you can't jump that high mm. and not be able to see over the lip that's in front of you as to where you're going to go next. So you have to shoot up but not too far in the corridor, otherwise you hit the other side. And then, as Simon Slaw said, pan the camera around furiously looking. And the waypoint doesn't point you to the next junction, it points you in the general direction, so you don't actually know whether you need to go around the next corner. Mm -hmm. And when you see the corner, you can't tell what direction you're going after that. So you just have to plow headlong into it and either stop or just hit the wall and then decide where you were going. It's really... um, What's infuriating is the sequence itself, if you were to go from one end to the other, is possibly about 90 seconds tops. Mm -hmm. But I was on this for like three quarters of an hour, just constantly failing, hitting a wall, failing, running out of time, failing, and it was just like... I got stuck there as well. (laughs) Yeah, now the thing is, these kind of moments in video games are not uncommon. But what we normally find with something like this is control is removed from the player. So it becomes kind of like all you have to do is steer yourself through this, avoiding objects. So navigation is kind of removed from you. You just end up flying and you're on like a roller coaster. All you've got is maybe up, down, left and right movement. Because the control scheme stays exactly the same as it's throughout the game, then you've got to navigate every corner, which is problematic. Yeah, Yeah, and it's that... that, Because you can't... You can't, like you said, if you stop midair, your meter's constantly dropping down so yeah. you've got to you know if you re- run out uh, quite, as i said earlier you know quite often you end up falling backwards back down the way you came which is 
you know, means a fail. If you hit a wall, you've got to reposition the camera and then sort of aim down the corridor that you need to go down and fire off again. And it just felt like stop, start, stop, start. And it just felt like just take the control away and just minimize what the player has to do to get through this. Um, no. I'd just like to play devil's advocate here, though, in that um, this took me a couple of times to do, but I, I managed it after a few goes. That was This wasn't the frustrating part of that um, that mission for me. The frustrating part was actually the bit where um, that was taken away from me and I had to do the gravity slide oh, with Jupiter. Yeah. That was infuriating because the and if you go into the options menu and it tells you like a little guide on how to do the gravity slide with Jupiter yeah. activated and it says, beware, this is going to be more difficult with Jupiter like um, activated. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why <laughs> are you trying to make this hard for me? Why are you trying to make this less enjoyable for me? And it's just, yeah. um, that was just because I kept getting stuck on walls and I kept actually had to exit out of Gravity Slide several times to finish. And it still let me finish it without doing the entire thing with uh, Gravity Slide going on. So I thought that was extreme. That Well, extreme is a bit hyperbolic, but I thought that was a poor, poorly designed part of the mission. That actually ties in with um, what I think was probably one of my main issues with the game as a whole. And that is that for a game that is about cool movement styles and zooming around with neat gravity powers, it really does seem to delight in taking those powers away yeah, from you at exactly points. Exactly what I was going to say. There are a yeah, lot of yeah. times that you either have to do without your powers or you can only use one of your powers or you can use your powers in certain points, but uh, but you might get caught if you use them too much because there's a lot of stealth in this game. Yeah. Way too much stealth. God, I hated the stealth. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, but, the, the, but the corridor sequence. The limitations, yeah, yeah, are rough. The corridor sequence that we're talking about, the timed uh, sort of escape sequence, mm -hmm. definitely bothered me. But actually, any combat in the, in that corridor type environment, I found infuriating. And then when you're doing uh, on the way up the world tree, you have to sort of nip in and have little uh, combat or or challenge sequence tablets. Yeah. Um, where yeah they're taking powers away from you and stuff and it's it's so infuriating because it feels like they've given you this really expansive set of moves and in order to f there there are games that will take something away from you in order to let you try other abilities or sure. stuff like that thinking uh you know like weapon sets where it'll take a weapon away from you in order to let you see what other weapons can do and it never felt like that here. It always felt like you were having to take a power away from me because it would be broken otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that just says to me that you're not designing the encounters to to let me have fun. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's such an yeah. unfair way of saying it, but it's... Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like they were doing that to encourage a breadth of playing style and by the end you would be using all of these powers but by the end mm. i was just using the wormhole kick all the time it, it didn't teach me to use different things at all it just i yeah. still have my favorites and i just use them at the end so you are supplied with and forced into at certain points uh different gravity styles which is not a thing that existed in the first game you get uh the moon style which makes you very light and bouncy and um you get the jupiter style which makes you very heavy um so you know you uh 
hit things harder and you can break rocks and such, but you don't necessarily have as much mobility. Yeah. And for me, I did not like that mechanic at all. I... I used it very little unless I was forced to, which you are and in a number of points. But when I was just kind of out on my own completing missions, I was generally uh, I was generally just kind of using the normal style and, you know, using my normal powers. I, I just I did not like I, I thought it was yeah. too much. Uh, and maybe that's why they felt the need to uh, to take it away from you at, at certain I, points. I, yeah, I think so. Lunar style has the wormhole kick. And that was yeah. when I had aerial enemies that were fast moving, I immediately switched to lunar style because I knew wormhole right. kick would help. But I, absolutely, unless I had to the vast majority of the time I stayed in in my usual style um and and even then if you've got fast moving enemies in the air you can use your stasis and those objects are like briefcases yeah. in hitman they will just track an enemy <laughs> like nobody's business and they will go pretty yeah. far as well so again I'd found my way of having fun with the combat um the, the it never felt like I was being given these challenges and having my powers taken away in order to prove how good I was. It just felt like I was being deprived the one push this button to win in favor of a different one, um, which was really kind of frustrating. Because if I was forced into Lunar Style, sure, wormhole kick everything, fine. Um, but yeah, it, it, unlike, say, uh, a Devil May Cry, like specifically DMC, where you do have the two different ability sets and it actually benefits you in terms of the score, but also in terms of your mobility and how you're playing the game to switch between them on the fly. And I, I'm not great at that game, but it still was fun for me. Yeah. And in this case, it felt like, I don't know why, but I was very quick to find something that I could work, I could use over and over again. And when that was taken away, I just had like a second choice that wasn't as fun, but I could do that instead. Yeah. And I'm not sure why that was the, the case. The other thing I think about the, the Lunar and the Jupiter styles they took a long time to be introduced. Yeah. I, I could have had that stuff introduced much earlier on, and then maybe it wouldn't have felt like it was quite so often I was being pushed into using them. Because once you get them, it feels like if you go into a combat sequence, probably they're taking something away from you. Yeah, That's I weird. probably wouldn't have used them much either way because I, I probably, really yeah. despised Luna style. I hate. I, I didn't like the way it really floaty movement. Yeah, that's that's just, the word that I keep thinking of too, and it yeah, sounds silly really for a yeah. game that's about flying around in gravity. But yeah, but it, it, it feels it's too loose. It just doesn't. Yeah, it, you feel Which like is you a don't problem have I have with the whole game. Yeah, like the 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 lack of what well, I the, if there's one sort of word that I'll use to sum up what I feel about the game as a whole, it's imprecision. It's mm. like. It, nothing ever feels precise. Combat doesn't feel precise, and I I, I I was frustrated at times that I couldn't get a lock on on stuff. Yeah. Like you would have that mm. circle appeal appear on an enemy, meaning that you could hit them, yeah. and especially if they were if you're in the air and they're aerial enemies, like those like mosquito style ones that yeah. fly yeah, around. Yeah, absolutely. I would you would get that lock on. You think yes, fire. You know you do your spiral kick or whatever. You go charging at them and it would move and you'd go flying right past it. And it was just like, ah, oh! you know, and then it was just that constantly. So yeah. I, I ended up, like you were saying, James, I ended up basically dropping on the ground all the time, maxing out my um, stasis field. Yeah. So I had greater range yep. and basically just throw garbage at them. Yeah. <laughs> and that was all I was doing. It was very was going effective. Around yeah. 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 
Though I suppose and the Jupiter style was was actually did come in use there because you could compact yeah. three different things into one giant piece of trash yeah, to yeah. throw, which yeah, I used yeah, quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, and the when you when you get enemies on the ground, the Jupiter style meant that you hit them harder as well with your physical attacks. Yeah, the, so that was um, quite useful. I did use Jupiter some of them start a lot more. Rock like rock shields I, that you can burst through. Yeah. If you, yeah, 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 and you have like the surge kick or whatever it's called, where you yeah. could just explode in the ground. That was so much fun. But it did feel like lunar style was there for wormhole kick and for jumping mm. in the sections where you didn't have gravity powers. Also, it was really inconsistent. It would take yeah. your gravity powers away, but there were some moves that clearly rely on Cat being able to manipulate. Like gravity that you could do which was really bizarre i'm struggling you, you to can't control gravity thing. but you you can't uh you can't fly but you can do everything else it's literally we're taking yes. flying away from you so you have to jump with lunar style and that felt really strange to me because moving around in lunar style like i found it tough to yeah. uh, use the rocket jump versus using the just the vertical spring yeah. Mm, and yeah and, and inevitably if i was trying to use the rocket jump i'd f- end up running and almost going off the edge of a platform i did all around. the time with that yeah it's really frustrating especially in sections where you don't have gravity abilities where once you go off the edge of a platform that's it you're just watching yourself fall to your death mm-hmm. um and, and speaking of sequences where they take ability away from you this wasn't ability taken away but the the race with uh, fee or phi where you're having to knock down the targets yeah where you get to the eighth target you've knocked down and then they all start missing and you have to do it twice where i just put the controller down and stopped playing because as soon as you miss one you've seen the, the guys beforehand have the conversation you know that they're basically cheating on this mm-hmm. and you're just forced to sit there and wait until fee gets from the one or two targets he's currently got up to 10 it is i get what they're going for and that would be a really cool moment if cat was cheated out of something if you were cheated out of something and there's nothing you can do to to have that powerlessness and, and feeling of anger inside is a really powerful thing it was just sapped by the fact that i had to do it twice yeah. and it meant i was sitting for like two or three minutes straight just not doing anything. It's just a really weird way to go about taking abilities or taking agency away from the player and not then uh, uh, not use that to the best of its abilities. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, uh, Jay, what you were saying about um, about it feeling too floaty and um, even just kind of in regular control. Um, the, the example that I have for this is um, actually a side mission um, that that I really had a hard time with uh, and I I kept going until I got there, but it took me way longer than I think it was supposed to. And it was because of the control. Uh, Now in general, I really like the side missions. I want to talk about them, but this one, uh, this one was infuriating. So you run into a guy who is looking to recruit what he says is an actress, uh, but you end up essentially (laughs) being a stunt person um, Uh, for a movie called battle nurse. Um, so they give you a nurse costume for no particular reason uh, and then you have to it's like the very first or maybe it's the second bit of this side mission where there's a train track that you have to run along and you can't use your gra- again the running theme you can't use your gravity powers during any of this and it's a pretty straight shot so it would seem like this part where you just run along this straight path should be pretty easy but the controls are so kind of wobbly that just running gave me problems i kept falling off the beam and i had to do it half a dozen yeah. times and before i actually got along with it and I, I i did like i said i really enjoyed 
the side missions. And in most cases, I think I enjoyed them more than the story missions uh, just because they had more variety. But in that case, that was super frustrating. There, there were a few. I ended up actually doing all the side missions and I got the trophy for it. So go me, I guess. But um, there were a couple that I skipped the first time around and then came back to kind of like after the first set of credits, really, um, just because like I I got too frustrated or I would try them. One of them is a stealth mission uh, that goes on for a really long time. And it's just easier to come back later when you have better abilities, um, which I'm not sure if that was intentional or not, but um, very frustrating See, in certain the, points. The, going, going back to the stealth thing, the, mm -hmm. there's a couple of uh, main missions where you have to use stealth. And I was baffled. There was one where you have to escort Bramham over to the... Ferris, I can't remember. You have to escort yeah, him somewhere over to the school or whatever yeah. this first time around. I literally did exactly what it said, stick to the building. So I went around the other side, away from the mm. airship that's looking for you. Yep. And when there is no one around to see me, I get caught. And then I went a different... I tried this a dozen times to the point where, like, Amory sitting next to me was saying, you need to stop playing this. <laughs> this is not good for you. I was so incandescent. And then eventually I decided to go a different route. I walked right in front of two police officers. They did God. not see me. So I realized yeah. that actually the stealth in this game is not stealth. No one's detecting you. They have literally marked areas of the map you cannot go into. The other time yeah. this happened was when you have to save the prisoners. You go up from the barge. I, I didn't understand what the game needed me to do, so I started trying to circle around and try to go further up the map. There's a hard ceiling on that map where if you just go above it, a guard sees you, no matter whether there is a guard there or not. You just get seen. Wouldn't be so bad if the loading times didn't feel longer than really they by all rights should be. Um, and it's that's a bizarre way to do stealth, to just have areas you can't go into when the whole point of the game is you can go anywhere and, and that might be interesting to suddenly have Cat not able to do that but it's in such a frustrating way that I can't fathom who had fun with that and maybe yeah. that's just me speaking for myself and there's loads of people out there who had nah. such a good time with this stealth I, I that, that very mission I ended up looking on YouTube to see what How the hell I was doing do, wrong yeah. because I, yeah. uh, like, I couldn't work out there was no indicator at all. Like, if you see a police officer on the ground, you would think, okay, there's the officer. I need to avoid his gaze. So things like Metal Gear, for example, you would have the vision cone that would indicate. And so, but there's there's nothing. Or, or even just common sense dictates. If you walk behind them yeah. and they're not looking at you, that should be fine. So, yeah. It's not and I knew there was a problem when I was yeah. literally going underneath the city where yeah. there were no police officers yeah, and I'm still sure. getting spotted. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. And then I ended up it's like weird. looking on YouTube and the route is ridiculous. It's like a way that quite honestly, I would, I was thinking how would anybody really work that out unless they have tried every, every sort of computation of going around yeah, the city to really like, try and figure it out. Mm. And, it, and they, don't, it just, they don't give you much opportunity to, if you, if you make a mistake, like they don't give you much opportunity to reverse it. It's, it's almost no. like as soon as you enter that mm. no go area, that's it. Yeah, you yeah. freeze in, my... freeze in midair, and then you wait a couple of seconds for the "oh, I've been spotted" mm -hmm. sort of uh, subtitles to come up, and then yeah, yeah just re reboot the game. It's it, and it's yeah. not like there's a little of this stuff. It's one of the primary mission types it is, that you are it doing multiple times in each in each act. Yeah, it's 
Yeah, I, we were not really we, we were not the only ones who had problems with the stealth. Uh, Colin mm-hmm. Alonzo from the forum um, starts off talking about the side missions, says the new side missions are a welcome way to break from the main plot. These vary from racing against birds, doing stunt work, and stopping an alcoholic entering pubs. They flesh out the world and bring back characters from the original. I did them all. In contrast, I barely touched the simpler challenge missions. Stealth sections are not fun here, and there are many during the middle of the game. Uh, Simon Sloth, also speaking about the side mission, says perhaps it's the move from Vita to home console, which has done it a disservice. The side quest diversions lent themselves to on-the-go gaming, whereas here they seem to serve as distraction, which slows down the main narrative. Rarely do they offer anything to flesh out the characters or add to the world building. Uh, Some of the other missions also made me feel quite uncomfortable, such as the photography mission for the creepy voyeur who encourages you to take pictures of young girls. The entire epilogue feels like it was pulled from an entirely different game, as if they decided against a trilogy and stuck this on the end. Even more striking was the only reason I knew there were more missions was by looking through my trophy list. After all the credits have rolled, this felt very much like post-game side quest mopping up territory. The stealth missions are abysmal. They should offer an opportunity to outwit enemies using your gravity to walk on ceilings or walls, leaving them oblivious. Instead, what you need to do is head down a preset pathway to avoid the eagle-eyed guards who seem to be able to spot you from a great distance out of the corner of their eye. Sometimes I even managed to get closer to my desired target only to find the designated spot I needed to stand in was actually further away. Yeah, so sounds like they had... uh, Re- fairly similar experiences to uh, to what we did. The thing is, the stealth mechanic changes from part to part mm-hmm. depending on what when there's a there's a military base that you have to sneak into, which I think is probably one of the first sort of stealth missions. Yeah, and the yeah. guards yeah. have a little meter that fills up that you can see. There's like a visual thing at the top corner of the screen. Yeah, that the tells detection you that meter. That's, absolutely, yeah. yeah, there is. Yeah. And and yet that's the only time you see it. And then yeah. later in that section, there's none of that. It's just an immediate fail state if you get spotted. Yeah, yeah. it pops and it pops it, up in a couple of side missions, but yeah, that's the only yeah. I think um, main mission. The side missions in general, though, I I thought were were pretty decent. Um, sounds like some of our correspondents also uh, liked it, except for the the stealth, which is uh, kind of a sticking point for a lot of people. <laughs> I really liked the tone of the side missions as well. Mm-hmm. I really, I really liked that they they were a bit more carefree. I did the battle nurse one. I I actually had more problem jumping from carriage to carriage on the tram like things yes. than running down the railway. I don't know how I managed to run down that line. I felt like I was going to fall off all the way along it and managed to get there in time. But um, but yeah, some of the other ones felt like um, they were taking away the gravity powers just showed me that if you were going to be doing platforming with cat just jumping like normal mm-hmm. you needed more practice at it than i had had to actually do that in any way accurately or uh or have it be fun at all um but the mission itself was weird and bizarre but kind of fun and quirky and just kind of it did what a side mission you kind of expect to do it's to take you out of the main narrative to provide a distraction but in a fun way with like different characters getting to bump into different people that you've seen before and just do different stuff and i liked the attempt if not necessarily always the way it, it kind of worked out yeah agreed 
Uh, Oni Link from the forum says, I really loved this game. I know a lot of people found it tedious or archaic, but I love the world and the slice of lifestyle stories. It's not an all-action open-world game where you blow things up and cause chaos and save the world. It's an open-world game where you live in this weird and wonderful world, you help out the locals, you indulge them, and if there is some world-saving to be done, then sure, you'll get to that too. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with, with this, uh, and I, I like that that there is that kind of uh, fleshing out of the world um, phrase that's come up a couple of times, but uh, through those through those side missions. Um, so we've talked about the connection to the first Gravity Rush um, kind of off and on throughout the rest of the uh, the uh, recording here. Um, it As I said, it was covered in Kingdom Rinse issue 153. Uh, so you can go back 200 whole episodes if you would like to hear our thoughts on that. But uh, James and Jay, you guys were both on that episode? Yeah, yeah. Don't ask me what we said because I can't remember. <laughs> it's, I mean, um, it's it's been a little while. Um, but I, the, some of the major gameplay changes seem to just make it more complex to me. Yeah. Um, it, and I'm wondering if, um, especially for uh, you guys who uh, have and me too, who have played the um, the original game, um, and Charlotte, if you um, can think of anything that you would like to see go away in the original game, <laughs> um, just things, I, I just want to think a little bit about, um, was this, were they necessary or do they really, I, I guess this is a leading question, but um, it seems like a lot of this was padding. Um, what do you guys think? Is there any reason that a lot of these things really needed to be more complex? All the complaints I have, a lot of the, sorry, a lot of the complaints I have about this game in terms of the mechanics, in terms of kind of feeling like the game was longer than it needed to be, mm-hmm. I kind of got to that stage at the end of the first game. I I started off doing a lot of side quests and kind of realized I wasn't, I wasn't going to run out of them anytime soon. So by the end of the game, as often happens, I stopped doing the side quests, went on with the main story and kind of felt like I was... I'd got my fill of that, but there were camera issues, but the mechanics didn't always work in the way you hoped they would, and the the mission structures weren't always to the mechanics best, um, to show the mechanics best side. Uh, and by the time I got to the end of that game in like 10 or 12 hours probably I spent playing it, I kind of felt like, yeah, I'm ready for this to be done now, but I was so hopeful that Gravity Rush 2 would take that core and run with it and so the idea of a lunar style or a jupiter style and being able to switch up the combat and make it more dynamic and interesting really Mm -hmm. felt appealing to me and the idea of seeing more of these characters and more of just the core mechanics was really appealing to me but yeah it's it's an awfully long game and i don't feel it uses those mechanics to its strengths so it feels like Mm -hmm. it's it, it was really tough for me to play this after having enjoyed but maybe not loved the first one and yep. and kind of feel like I was frustrated more often than not, which is a shame. Yeah, Charlotte, do you feel like um, do you feel like slimming down on some of these mechanics might? I guess what I'm I guess what I'm getting at is, do you still feel kind of compelled to go back to Gravity Rush One, knowing that it is this is extremely reductive, but knowing that it is in large part a slimming down of uh, of what happened in two. I mean, if anything, that makes me want to play it more. <laughs> it's kind of why I went so, back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, I think the first guy. I mean, I mean, I think it's indicative of that phrase: "Less is more." Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. in a exactly. way, it, it as as I think we said we we said it several times, but the bloatedness of this game 
having those extra styles just didn't feel really necessary. I barely used them in mission structure for the most part. I didn't, I didn't, they weren't necessary when I was playing. And I've kind of, maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe that's better game design if, if, you know, you can play in different styles. But they actually felt like, particularly with Lunar Style, it felt so off yeah. when I was playing it or using it that I didn't actually enjoy using it. And I wouldn't use it because I didn't like it. And so, yeah, I kind of feel like they, it, it did just feel like extra stuff because they needed to fill... They needed to put more it needed stuff to be into bigger. this game. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, I, I, I've kind of said it before, but I guess what I'm getting at is the way Cat comes across these extra suits is when you're going on a series of challenge missions through... It, it's weird. You just stumble upon a new suit that happens to work with mm. your abilities. No, isn't this wonderful and amazing? There's one move in each of those abilities that I kind of thought was really cool. I'd have yeah. almost preferred that be like a gem or, or something that Cat found that just yeah. gave her an extra move. Yeah, gave her the yeah. the lunar style wormhole kick and the surge, uh, kick. You know, the the surge slam or whatever it's called mm. to hit the ground. Those two would have been really cool and could have kind of been used in ways, um, to to do that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think I I just ended up by the end of the game just wishing that I had a lock on, <laughs> like on everything, <laughs> like. You know, I look. I I played this game on easy. So did I. I play every game on easy. I'm not. I don't want to get bogged down with messing around. On, I don't make things difficult for me. I want to enjoy games. Um, if a game gets its hooks in, then I'll I'll go through on different difficulties for the challenge for whatever. But I struggled with this game on so many levels, all to do with the control. I mean, the control and the camera working together to sap any enjoyment I had of the, the game. But it was, uh, and so a lot of it was because I couldn't lock onto things. I ended up just flailing past them. And and like going back to Kat's sort of movement, you know, she, she she's the only character that spins and circles around and rotates as you're flying, whereas all the others fly in a straight line and they keep straight. They fly like Kat, uh, Raven flies like Superman, straight line, flat body, straight to the, Point, Until point you're controlling her, that DLC was yeah. rough. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I agree. I it just it's tough to it's tough to kind of get into using those different styles when the only reason that you initially need to use those styles is when you literally have access to nothing else. Uh, it, it starts feeling like a punishment, I guess, which is harsh, but uh, but I think fair. Um, so before we start wrapping up, I do want to touch on um, the online servers. Um, the online servers for this game, uh, I, I don't think that any of us would really have had experience with because they shut down about a year after, a uh, little more than a year after the game actually came out. Uh, it seems to have been kind of an asynchronous multiplayer thing. Like you weren't literally playing with other people, but you could leave things in the environment. You could comment on other people's pictures and photos, which would give them benefits in game um, and kind of flag. There is actually a spot in the game. I think it's in one of the main missions. It might've been a story mission 
but where you actually find a, a chest and it will not let you leave that area until you, or it, uh, it won't let the tooltip be taken away from your screen until you take a picture of this chest and try to post it. And when you try to post it, it of course says these servers don't exist anymore, so you can't do it anyway, but, um, but it's there. Um, apparently there was a fairly significant outpouring, well, significant in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, kind of how popular the game was, I suppose. Um, outpouring of support for from fans for uh, keeping the online servers going. So they did keep them open a little bit longer than initially it was projected, but still it was a, a fairly short run um, compared to when the game came out. Uh, did anybody have any ac any access to the, uh, the online bits of the game um, back when it came out? Only up until... So where I'd played up to the point where I played it originally after buying it. Um, I did that photo uh, photography mission. Mm -hmm. That's as far... And to be honest, I could never really get my... The, I can't say this, it sounds harsh, but it just... It did seem a little pointless because it, it just... It didn't feel like it added anything really. Which and is really fascinating because, to me because I know that you are generally a big fan of, of photo modes and that kind of thing. Well, now that's the thing. So... When it said it had a photo mode, I was, I mean, that was something I was like, oh, brilliant, sure. because this game, this game would have been like, but it's, it's, it's similar to the sort of deflated moment in uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, when you realize that their photo mode has to be done in game and you're using an in-game mm -hmm. camera. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same as that. It's like, you have to set the camera up and it's kind of a fixed it's not a photo mode in the sense of yeah. what we're seeing in other games. And I was kind of really defeated by that because I was like, this game could have been so much better. Like, I think photo modes add to every game I've ever played with them. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when they're done properly and they're all done in the sense that we're used to. Sure. It would have been fantastic to have a yeah. proper photo mode in this game because mm -hmm. the game looks incredible. It is gorgeous, it would have been... yeah. It's a really beautiful visual game. That's one yeah, of the yeah. best things about yeah. it. I would have loved to have been posting screenshots of where yeah. I could pause the action mid-flow and exactly, angle yeah. the camera around and get a good shot and an angle and you know add a filter and then post it up on Twitter. I would have loved that for this game. And I genuinely think that these these days, games can you can promote the game in a way that I mean, this is a new feature. We talked about this on on several podcasts, mm -hmm. but it's it's something that it's like it'll do your market it, to a to a large extent. It will do your marketing for you if you put this stuff in the game. Sure, I've definitely uh, paid more attention to games that I have seen yeah. screenshots of on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, yeah. and thought, oh, that looks silly, or that looks beautiful, or you know, whatever. Uh, or or yeah. even just, oh, what is that game? Yeah, like yeah. there's there's literally like um, something like. Uh, um, you know, God of War or something like that, where you can take photos in that game that you wouldn't mm. think was God of War, and it just shows the the breadth of creativity of the people taking the photos and yeah. the breadth of stuff that's in the game. But even like um, a Forza Horizon game, you can stop at any moment and pull back from your car and change the angle and pull over here to see mm. something really cool happening. Um, and the other thing is that doesn't need to be shared in game. You don't need servers to be able to share that stuff. No. You just no. need the ability to take it as a snapshot on your PS4 in this case, yeah. and then upload it straight to Twitter or you know get yeah. get it off there and onto to Facebook or wherever it is you want to post that Instagram. Um, and this feels for 
a 2017 game like it was mm-hmm. so far behind where even by that point we were at with cameras and games yeah it's weird it is very a weird weird way to use an online server as well for, for a game yeah for a game that is so good looking that that you know just has such visual appeal you would think that that would have been a priority but unfortunately not so much uh, so um, ending up with a couple of other pieces of correspondence from our forum. Again, that's com slash forum. Oni Link says, Just traveling around the world is a joy, and while combat is simple, it's still fun when everything clicks. The music is phenomenal too, and stays with you long after the fact. I also really enjoyed the story, and by the end, I was on the edge of my seat waiting to find out who Cat really was. I acknowledge it's not a game for everyone, and it does have some glaring flaws, stealth sections, but overall, it's one of the most memorable and unique games I've played this generation. Uh, And then Simon Sloth says, Overall, though, for all my nitpicking, even if some of the nits are quite big, I really enjoyed my time with Gravity Rush 2. The package is hampered by poor stealth missions, a mediocre storyline, and its move to home console. I think if the sequel had been on Vita, it would have looked, sounded, and no doubt played worse than this game, but I probably would have enjoyed it more. However, I would take a charming, ambitious, unique, but ultimately flawed experience over a polished, uninspired, focus-grouped one in a heartbeat. So we have a few three-word reviews. Uh, we generally post this the day of our recording uh, at Kane and Rinse on Twitter. First up, Matt King. Kick, rocks, repeat. Mehmet. Gorgeous and soulful. Uh, we got the same three-word review from Simon Sloth and Marcus Morales, which says, Falling with style. And Pazuzu said, res meat sandbox. So I think we're all kind of in a similar way when it comes to kind of summarizing our feelings um, on the game, but I'm going to go first. I really wanted to love Gravity Rush 2, but it just wouldn't let me. Um, I... It is, as we've said multiple times, a gorgeous game. It has a lot of things going for it. I did enjoy a lot of the side missions, um, but the controls are just fighting against me half the time when I can't use my powers the way that I want to. The camera is fighting against you nearly all of the time, which is extremely frustrating. And uh, something we didn't get into, but I didn't really like fighting humans. Uh, And that's a big change from the first game where you don't, I don't think that you may do that once or twice, but uh, for the most part, you are fighting the the Nevi or the um, the scarabs, um, you know, the kind of black blobby things with the big red bulbs on them. And you do fight those in this game as well, but it's not until the latter half of the game that you really start fighting them in earnest. Most of the time you're fighting soldiers who are shooting at you and that just doesn't feel good. Like, I don't want to be fighting these soldiers. I want to, you know, be fighting the horrible bad guys that are kind of unambiguously bad. And I, I don't in some games i might think that that was to make a point here i don't think that it necessarily is i think it's just this is the new thing for this game and while it does make sense as we've alluded to that it would need to be or that it would be perceived as needing to be a bigger game since it was a a sequel and be coming to a console rather than solely a handheld game like the first one was uh it it went too far in that direction for me. I would have rather seen something similar to, maybe not exactly the same, but similar to the first game where, you know, it was a more streamlined experience. You didn't have all of these extra things. You know, it was still side missions if you wanted to do those, but the whole thing felt more compact and less like it was just kind of going in any direction that it thought something might catch. So I 
much as it pains me, I don't think that I can recommend playing this. Um, I if if the idea sounds interesting, and, and I will say that um, the gravity mechanics, when you get to use them all <laughs> and not just the ones that they want you to be using at the time when when you have access to your powers and you have space to use them it still feels pretty good uh to kind of go zooming around uh once you get used to it 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 feels pretty okay um but there are just so many points where it grinds to a halt here um that i would say if you think that this sounds like an interesting mechanic maybe play the first one the remaster does hold up pretty well um like i said i i did play it and it's uh, available still on uh, psn so uh, that might be something to uh, to look at, but otherwise, um, I I don't really recommend playing this, and it pains me because it's very pretty, and I wanted to love it, but I just don't. So uh, Jay, I think I know where you're going to come down on this too, but uh... yeah, yeah, as like I I have a lot of respect for Tayama San. Sure. He's made some Absolutely. amazing games throughout his career. I mean, Silent Hill, Forbidden Siren. I really enjoyed those. I have, I, there are parts of this game that I really like. I love the art style. I love the actual ideas behind it. I don't particularly find the implementation of these ideas is where I sort of, I guess where I conflict with it. I didn't enjoy playing this game. I was glad when the first set of credits came up because that's where I've left it. I couldn't be bothered to get through to uh, who knows i might go back to it i may not the chances are i didn't do any of the side quests with this because very early on i just thought they're not clicking with me it feels like busy work and i'd rather just crack on with the story i mean now i've i've got to now we've done the show maybe you know i've got the unlock it's all there i can just go and and dip in and out and see if it clicks the part of the game i really i, I actually enjoyed the most was actually just exploring the city and finding the um crystals the gems and you know going up up you know that stuff i actually enjoyed just being able to manipulate gravity going underneath the city running around all the little nooks and crannies and, and finding that stuff but that's not the game um unfortunately the sort of the story stuff left me cold i felt it was ham-fisted um you know, the the story did nothing to me. The characters, I can't say I, I felt particularly engaged by them. Um, and, yeah, with, when it comes to the actual gameplay, the mechanics, the camera, like, like I said, I haven't played a game that I found this frustrating in years. And, yeah, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't pretend I didn't, I, I, I wouldn't. I didn't have evenings of of just utter frustration as you're trying to sort of fight against what the game, the way the game is performing. That said, would I recommend it? I don't think. I who knows? Like if it comes up on PS Plus, by all means, give it a shot. I I I wouldn't go beyond that if I'm honest. I can't sort of. Yeah. I feel really bad about this, actually. <laughs> like, it's like, We're all it's saying bad things, really guilty, but like you, know? you hear but... it in our voices. It's like I really don't want to say this, but <laughs> no. But there was, there's, yeah, it's, and it's a shame. I, I really think it's a sh- like I know some people got a lot out of it from our listener correspondence. Clearly, yeah. other people, you know, and maybe it's just the cases as I've gotten 
as I've gotten older, I've just gotten into a point where I want easy games. I don't want to fight against the game. I just want to enjoy the experience. And I feel that the, 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 there was the possibility of that with this. Yeah. Unfortunately, the reality wasn't the case. Anyway. Uh, yep. James? I, I hope. I, and I think actually possibly that moments like the skull boss where Cece is in this giant skull that you're fighting um, and the final fight against Kai, or whatever his, his name is pronounced, Kai, that, that's an incredibly disappointing antagonist, but his final form in that fight is such an awesome spectacle. I still think, I still love that as a spectacle, both of those fights and several of the other boss fights. But as much as I may remember those fights for the spectacle they are, right now they were undercut by inconsistent mechanics. Like the Angels boss fight where you're fighting Kali and Durga together, when they're in the sphere in the middle, I'm still not sure how I can consistently hit them without taking damage. I don't know what I did right one time and wrong the next to actually win that fight. Panther mode, again, I still don't know how to activate that consistently. I don't know what meter I'm filling until a prompt pops up on screen. That's weird. Th those mechanics in moments when I was using them that should have been so fist pumping that mm -hmm. I was scratching my head instead. Other things I'm going to remember about this game, like Kat as Queen Alua, that whole sequence where she is just walking around repeating the same series of events day after day, just seeing what her life might have been like. And the moments you spend as Raven after Kat has apparently died or is gone. I, I cried. They got me. It really did. There are touching moments and there are moments where I was literally saying wow about like emotional story moments in this game and that shows i think how much i love these characters i want to love this game its characters the core mechanics i can't get over how cool this feels like it should be every moment of the game and i agree with jay the the moments where that actually shone through were when i was zipping about just grabbing crystals and just flying because i could and isn't that cool um yeah, I've never felt more frustrated by a game's mission structure in the way that it undercuts my enjoyment every single time I get a mission. I think, really, this is what I have to do? Oh, okay. That, that's weird to get to the point where I, I love so much about this game. But the problem is, I love those things about Gravity Rush, the original, that's half as long and does a lot of the same stuff for me. So there's no way I can recommend the sequel over the original. And this conversation, as often it happens on Kinrins, energizes me to want to play more of the game, but I'd rather go and play the remastered version of the original than than two, and that's that that's my disappointment. Such a shame. Fortunately, one still holds up. Ah, <laughs> uh, Charlotte, I I, I slotted you last <laughs> because I thought you would be the most positive. I don't know if that's true. Help. I think so. I would actually recommend playing this game mm. because I feel like the environment and the art style and the music is so beautiful and the vision is so beautiful that it's worth just trying it out and sampling it and experiencing it. It's by no means a sloppy, bad game in my opinion. It suffered from a lack of focus. It's really clear. And so, like, the story. It's it's good, like, it branches off way too much, but it's a competent, enjoyable story. 
The one thing that makes me a little bit hesitant to fully recommend it is that the the technical problems are so bad sometimes. And it's, the thing is, I feel sorry for them because um, having a game where the characters are spinning around all the time, it must be really, really difficult to program a camera to behave properly in that scenario. It must have been a really difficult job, but that's necessary for this game to work. And sometimes you're just clipping through enemies and you're shooting past where you want to go and it just feels broken. And that is so sad. And also the one thing that made me think this has really been released at a, a very substandard level of technical state is the fact that on mission 25, I believe, I started getting frame rate drops and I've I've, I've experienced technical issues to that level. For example, um, the third series of The Walking Dead, where I actually got a blue screen of death on my PlayStation wow. 4. But like with, with this, it was like I was seeing, seeing the, the screen was shuddering and I couldn't do anything for the mission because it was, it was stuttering. And I, I am playing with a P- PlayStation 4 Slim. I don't know if that makes a difference. But when the technical problems are so bad that you can't do what you need to do to complete the level, it, it was just so sad. But having said that, it is a very good, it has a very good vision and you will fall in love with the characters. So I would still say, please play this game. Just beware that you're going to get frustrated and you might need to take a step away from your controller for um, one or two days just to recover. Maybe play it in between other things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, it just remains then for me, Leah, to thank James and Charlotte, and double thank you to Jay, who is also editing this episode, uh, as well as our correspondents, plus, of course, you for listening. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, or best of all, you could drop by patreon.com slash get every Caden podcast one week earlier. You can get your uh, get your additional content for, uh, for some of those podcasts as well, and an exclusive monthly mini cast with Leon and Jay. Next time in issue 354, get your silencer ready and brush up on your disguise skills because we're sneaking into Hitman 2016. Just be-
Shoes.